This is the Relevant Podcast. It's Friday, November 13th, 2020, and it's the Relevant Podcast. In Orlando, I'm your host, Cameron Strang, and joining me from Loverland, Virginia, it's Jesse Carey. Hello, hello. Happy Thanksgiving season, Jesse. From Austin, Texas, (laughs) author, (laughs) podcaster, Jamie Ivey. Hey, guys. And from Nashville, Tennessee, artist, producer, mogul, Derek Miner. What's that? I know that Jesse's just a big turkey guy, so I just, I know he celebrates all month long. It's the most overrated (laughs) food holiday, and I stand by it. Even on the the scale of poultry, I would put not only turkey, obviously below chicken. We do not need to go to this. I don't even even have it in the duck category. Okay. Oh, Oh, gosh. That's what I'm saying. So there I said it. Did you see, did you guys see? This week, that uh, the CDC uh, guidelines they update them for Thanksgiving, and they suggested that everybody have, has Thanksgiving dinner outside, uh-huh. outside, which works in Florida. It works in Texas sometimes, yeah. usually uh, in Austin. In I don't know what, yeah, I don't know what people up in New York are going to be doing. I, I have a question about the whole outside dining thing. And look, I have been venturing out more, and whenever. I, I had dinner. I had a lovely dinner outside at an at a restaurant on Saturday. It was out on like a dock, you know, oh, like wow. outside. Um, but I, I'm still not like totally like comfortable going into a place. And I mean, yeah, really? I'm not, are you I, skittish? You're COVID skittish. I wouldn't. I, I would say I would like to think COVID cautious. But if you say, co- <laughs> you know, that's fair enough. <laughs> yeah, it's not that I haven't done it. I have. I've gone into like a burrito. Yeah, you got you place. got milkshakes with some friends. You were telling us about. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so yeah, I've, yeah. I, I've done things. It's just that here's what here's what I don't get at a lot. And 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 every state is different. So outside of the great Commonwealth of 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 Virginia, it may be different. But like we have places where they have a perfectly fine. <laughs> indoor dining establishment right? right it's decorated it has wait staff it has furniture that was in you know in its intended place and yet outside in the parking lot there's like a fumigation tent where if they've <laughs> set up furniture just outside and it's like you're telling me that it's somehow more healthy for me to be in that tent that looks like you know I'm I'm at a you know church with, garage with sale. no air conditioning being filtering the filtering the yeah, air it's like, yeah, yeah, it's greenhouse stagnant yeah like yeah. when I watch when I watch like Breaking Bad and they were like you know <laughs> cooking meth in houses that way they were pretend fumigating the whole idea is putting that big tent over the house keeps all that junk in there right so if I were to apply that logic to these tents out in rando parking lots you know it's like aren't you just trapping it all in at least inside there's duct work you yeah. know there's filters and things again I'm not an expert and and I you know. I respect Dr. Fauci and all of his good work, but the the tents and parking lot, and it's just like, it's depressing driving around, and it's like, oh, there's the Mexican restaurant we'd like to go to, and they have a gigantic tent outside, and just like waiters just milling around hoping someone goes in there, and it's like, I, I just don't understand all of the you know the the different types of precautions but that you know just me all i say i i don't mind eating outside i would rather eat outside on a cold day than sit in a random tent in a parking lot on a nice day personally yeah 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 we've done thanksgiving outside pre-covid a lot because it's just so beautiful you know it's like you never know what you're gonna get in austin it could be freezing or it could be beautiful Mm. i'm like crossing my fingers for a beautiful this year for thanksgiving well, we have a great show in store for you today. Coming up later, one of our favorite groups joins us, Social Club Misfits. They're on the show. They have a brand new album. Uh, they are also featured in the new issue of Relevant. You should check that out. And uh, continuing what we started last week, we have our fall wellness segment. This week, we're joined by Angela Manuel Davis. Uh, she's a huge fitness and health um, influencer from LA, and she's Jerry Lorenzo, Fear of God, uh, his sister. So she's going to later. Is she also Natalie Ooh. Manuel? Is that her? Her sister too. Yeah. They're all related. They're yeah. all related. I, that is the coolest family. I, yeah. And I will say this. She has like 
the the most like the coolest low key flexes of of most people on Instagram. Yeah. Like she because she's a uh, for a long time, and I, I'm pretty sure she still is. She's a very prominent like Soul Cycle instructor, which yeah. is you know. Well, now she's expanding out. She ha- she launched with other people launched this thing called Army, like with okay. two A's, and it's like an app, almost like Peloton, where you can take her classes like live oh, virtually cool. and when Ooh. you subscribe and stuff like that. Yeah. But yeah, she's a very prominent uh, leader in that, that it, lane. Yeah. But when you see like pictures of like, the, cause this is, you know, in spin war in the spin world, it's not uncommon. Like after a class, everyone kind of like, Hey, takes a picture or whatever. And it's like, Hey, there's Jay-Z and Chris Paul in her selfie after <laughs> class. And they seem, they seem sweaty. No they seem like they got a good workout. No big yep. deal. You might know him. He's Jay-Z. And that happens to be Chris Paul, and they just, you know, just getting a little sweat in. That's cool. Yeah. <laughs> Derek, Social Club's coming up. I know you're friends with the guys. We've yeah. been friends for several years. We're huge fans. Love the new album. I have a question for you. This is real talk. This is industry behind oh. the scenes. Tell me the truth. Thankfully, okay. Social Club, their new album's great. It's we amazing. Like it. We yeah, all like it. it. Everybody likes it. Yeah, yeah. What happens, you're an artist, you know, uh-huh. when one of your peers puts out a new album, uh-huh. And it's terrible. What do you say to your friend? Nothing. Nothing. You just, <laughs> you say nothing? You just, if you don't get a text from Derek, then you just know. <laughs> it's just kind of unspoken. We just sweep it under the rug and just we just go act like that didn't happen. And then you know, like I, I don't, especially when like after like it it have to be after promo run and and all of that. Then I might be like, hey bro, um, so about that album. So later on, you'll do like a let's debrief. Let's uh, constructively talk about what happened. Yeah, but not 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 initially. Yeah, no, it's too much pressure, man. Like people are people are putting albums out there. They're doing all this press. They're frazzled. Last thing you want to do is is be the friend that's that's uh, wolfing at them in the middle of the uh, the press run. So tell me this, Derek. Could they release? Yeah, but could they release a great album and you just not like it? Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, so you're just, you, it could still be amazing and I could love it, but you're just like, it didn't do it for me. Jamie, what is, yeah. well, okay, so you, with your podcast, you're interviewing one of your friends who's also an author. She comes on the show to talk about her new book. What if the book is terrible? What if you don't like it? What if you're like, I really wish you cut that down by 15%. You shouldn't have had that. Da, da, da. Do you talk to her, your friend, not a guest, but a friend, like, do you tell her honestly, or do you kind of like, just don't go there? I never would because that's not my job. Okay. Like that's an editor's job. That's not my job. And I would always just want to, I just, I don't know. I'm going to just tell people what's good about them and cheer them on. I, I, I would be so stressed out to say that because listen, if I have an author friend and I release a book and she's like, I didn't like it. I just don't want to hear it. Interesting. Like I just don't That's, know. Good. That's why we yeah. like you. Can you go around the horn right now and tell all of us? Okay. That's the thing. Like, if someone were to ask me my unsolicited opinion, I think I would give it to him diplomatically. You know, but just commenting on friends' work. Uns, you know, totally unsolicited. In my opinion, that's the same thing as like scrolling on social and being like, I really don't think I agree with that thing, you know, my uncle said, right. but uh, it's probably just l- best to let that slide under the, the ta- you know, like if they ask me, hey, what do you think about this political or social idea? It's like, okay, they want to engage. But I, I think, I think just popping in. And, 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 and uh, I don't think that ever works in my yeah, opinion. I, I, yeah. Like it, for me, it's like, it's like in our creative, in my creative community, it's really hard for people to create in, in the creative community that I work in because we're excruciatingly, brutally honest with one another. Because the thing is the the general public is going to be worse. Worse, so yeah. so that's kind of how good. we kind of operate. So so, but that's you know, why like, I asked I asked you, Derek, because like for us with relevant, if a Christian hip hop artist puts out an album and it's just kind of like eh, not quite there, we just don't have to mention it. It's no big yeah, deal for sure. But you're friends with that dude. I was just curious if like because Christian hip hop can be hit and miss. Thankfully, we have uh, yeah. the Derek Miners and the Social Club Misfits because there's artists that. Maybe you should have stayed in the lab a little longer. You know what I mean? Right. Like that's not quite hitting the mark. But I was just wondering if in that community, 
like y'all talk about that <laughs> or does no, everybody I, just I, go not, bless you brother good try you know I no, don't know. not within the community because everybody doesn't have that kind of rapport okay um but like in my creative community so i have certain people that are like we speak into each other's life like that most of the time that happens pre-album yeah it's not right. yeah it's not because yeah. by the time it comes out it's done. Like it's yeah. been through a lot. It's done. Yeah. yeah. yeah for, so for us, it's really more pre-album. So what'll happen is a lot of times people will, you know, they'll pull up to the studio, we'll kick it, you know, and uh, they're like, "Yo, let me play my new album," and then you say, "Let me play my new album." All bets are off. Like, dude, dude. Yeah. Let me ask you this, because this has happened to me personally, where artists will come through, visit Relevant, and uh-huh. they're like, "Let me, let me play you some of these tracks I'm working on," mm-hmm. and so we're sitting there or we're in the car or whatever, and they, they're playing their music that's not been released yet, mm-hmm. where, where do you look? Do you look at them? Do you look at the floor? <laughs> like, because there's nothing more awkward than sitting with the creator, listening to their music in the room with them. Like, I don't know yeah. where to look. Yeah, It's like they brought their whole soul directly in their eyes. Directly in their eyes. They said, here. They, here it is. Like, what do you do? This is it. Because you have to be like really into it. You have to be like bobbing your head and like, man, ooh, that's good. But it's like totally like put on. You know what I mean? Like, it's not how uh, I listen to music. Be, be, because nah. like, I've been in too many of those situations where I'll just kind of keep my head down and like eyes closed like I'm really trying to focus but the real reason is I don't want to look up because every time I, I look up they're looking directly at me trying to gauge it, yes. it's like they're watching yes. it's like oh, yeah. they're, if you were just looking at their expressions you would think they're watching a really stressful game of Jenga like at any point <laughs> at any Guys. point they're waiting for the whole tower to come down like oh, 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 is that good oh, oh, oh here comes the drop Whoa. you know and it's like yeah. just Let's just all relax here. Let's you go take a walk. I'll listen to this like a normal person would. Like what if I'm just listening to a new song? I'm not going to sit in my room and stare at the ground with my eyes closed. Right. It's just going to be on. Another worse. It's so much pressure too. My husband's a songwriter and he'll bring stuff. And he has Derek. I don't know if you do this. Uh I call it his music face. Uh Like I can see it anywhere. Someone starts playing him a new song and his face. It's like you said, Jesse. Like he's watching the Jenga board. His face turns and I'm like, oh, he's got his music face on, which means he can't hear anything except what he's listening to. Right. And then he wants to hear, what do you think about it? And I have to f- find the best words to say that it's awesome because, you know, I'm always going to tell him it's awesome. Yeah. So, so, so like that's, when I'm writing something, like I could have it finished, but like I don't want anybody to read it. Like, uh-huh. I, like until like this thing is like, I need to sleep on it, come back the next day, fresh eyes, do another round of edits on it or whatever. I will not let somebody see something that's pretty close to being done. For sure. never. So, but artists do that. They'll mm-hmm. they'll like play demos for friends and stuff like that. And it's like, mm-hmm. I just couldn't handle and that, it. And that's how you get your heart hurt. That's how you get your feelings hurt. <laughs> and, and that's, that's why a, I'm like, so, <laughs> so that's so, why so, I, don't, I don't do that. So, like for me, I'm I finished the whole thing, um, to the point to where, if you would listen to it, you're like, okay, this is pretty much done. Right, because what happens is you send people your demos, and they're like, yeah, yeah, "You know, it's good. You should turn the snare up." And then what? Yeah. And then you what I noticed, yeah. And then I also noticed when you ask people their opinion, their default is not to try to find what's good about it; it's to try to fix it, help you. Yeah, yeah, right. So have, like, yeah. so I yeah. don't. I'm not gonna ask people that don't make music for a living yeah. how to fix the music. Yeah. Like it just doesn't. Like that's. <laughs> I just don't do that, Derek. Just always bring it to me. Because right. here's what I'm going to say. Derek, that is amazing. That's the best I've ever heard. Great job. Way no, to go. No, I don't want that because then I'm out here thinking I'm killing it and then it comes out and I get destroyed on Instagram. Uh, all right. I'm going to say this to any artist friends I have out there listening that that you know people in their life. If you want people to check out your tunes, like your friends or your family, Give them, you know, give them the file or whatever, and then be like, why don't you go run some errands? Or why don't you, <laughs> you know, like do things that you normally do when listening to music? Mm-hmm. Because if we're just sitting here staring at each other, nothing positive is going to come. <laughs> nothing. Like, best case scenario, you both smile and are, are, are kind of nodding like, huh? okay, yeah, okay. Like, it's just gonna be, like, at the best case scenario, it's right. just a little weird. Worst yeah. case scenario, it's very weird. But you're on a spectrum of awkward weirdness either way. Just give it to me. And like I said, let me do things I normally do when I listen to music. Like, hey, I have to go pick a prescription up. Okay, I'll listen to the song when I'm in my car listening like a normal person does, not just staring directly across the table into the creator's eyes. You want to yeah. know what's even more <laughs> weird is when you pull up to a event 
um, where they booked you at to do a show. And then the person that's picking you up is like, hey, I got this artist you've never heard of. Name's Derek Minor. And they start playing <gasps> your music in front of you. No. And then no. they're looking at you rapping all the lyrics like, huh? Huh? See? Yeah. Huh? huh? Like that. That's what's weird because you're like, I don't even listen to my music like that. So like, <laughs> oh like you know, gosh. songs I don't know. And it's like, it's a, it's a great feeling in the sense of like, man, I'm glad they enjoy it. But boy, talk about some awkwardness. <laughs> that's awkward for sure. Yeah. All right. Well, moving the show along, we have a lot planned. Stay tuned. Up next, relevant news. <laughs> Listening to Claire Rosencrans, the song is Backyard Boy. Well, today's show is brought to you by UHSM. These days, finding affordable quality healthcare is more difficult than ever. So, if you're looking to save up to 50% on your healthcare expenses, listen up. You don't have to wait around hoping healthcare will improve in the U.S. Instead, join millions of Christians who are choosing health share memberships like UHSM. UHSM is a nonprofit Christian health share with a sole mission of helping you achieve your best health. Protect your health with modern health sharing from UHSM, including programs with prescription benefits from CVS Caremark, no-cost telehealth visits, and access to more than 1 million doctors and providers. Satisfy your medical needs and save up to 50% with UHSM HealthShare. UHSM is member-to-member health sharing, and it's awesome. See why millions are choosing this Christian alternative to traditional insurance. You can ask if you qualify for UHSM membership today by calling or texting 833-367-8476. That's 833-367-8476 or 833-367-UHSM. Or you can visit uhsm.com slash care. That's uhsm.com slash care. Okay, it's time for a weekly look at what's happening at the intersection of faith and culture. It's time for... Tyler, hold up, bro. Before you come in, man. (laughs) Bro, I missed the hot list jingle, man. I ain't ain't gonna hold you, bro. I had nothing to do. I was not consulted. Uh, on, on the jingle and, and if I had been I would have stuck with the hot list we would have just reworked it for the, for the Biden era we would have found a new spin for the Biden era Clark, why don't we Clark why don't we remix the relevant news one with a little of that sizzle stuff going on from, man, from the got it, just a taste just a taste man yeah. or maybe just you know I don't know how somebody do like the the the, the real it's the hot list over the yeah something classy and smooth like you would hear in the lobby of like a four seasons you know <laughs> <laughs> like, like a four seasons landscaping parking lot all right well please welcome to the show four seasons Tyler Huckabee. Hey, man. Hey, guys. What's going on Um, this week? Any news? Anything happening in the country? Yeah, pretty slow out there. (laughs) (laughs) I had had to dig a little bit. I was just going to the bottom of fark.com. This is is really really a man bites dog type of week, you know? Just (laughs) no big stories. Some days we report the news, some days we got to make it up. So, I mean, but but it is true, though. We do record this earlier than it airs. And so, since the political conversation is moving so swiftly, we don't, we can't really bring that stuff we mm-hmm. can laugh about four seasons total landscaping though by the time people hear this the votes will have been overturned the, the voter fraud will have been uprooted in this country <laughs> it, it, yes. is weird. it is weird the, the how time moves these days because i mean it was only what a year and a half ago now that uh, biden addressed the nation as the president-elect like, <laughs> it, it seems, it seems a like a lifetime days. ago but <laughs> believe it or not i think that's only been a year and a half now so uh, it's crazy we are going to talk about a, a something that is moving very quickly. Uh, we we co- we talked. Uh, we've we've continued to try to keep people updated on the pandemic, and obviously, after a right. little brief reprieve from the from the surge, we are now setting daily records for confirmed new cases in mm. the country, and uh, it really shows no sign of slowing down. Unfortunately, Texas uh, just uh, on Tuesday became the first state to record a million one million positive. <laughs> COVID diagnoses, and, and obviously that will probably not be the last state to record
support that either. There is some good news on the horizon. Uh, there was an announcement on Monday from the pharmaceutical giant Pfizer, uh, which was in partnership with a German biotech firm called BioNTech. It yielded some promising results in the hunt for a vaccine. They, according to their early studies, uh, and this is via a press release from them, so I do want to, we need to be very cautious in how we talk about this. This is a press release, uh, but they said that their vaccine so far is shown to be about 90% effective against the virus. Now, that that is good news. According to their CEO, uh, a guy named Albert Brula, he said, today's a great day for science and humanity. The first set of results from our phase three COVID-19 vaccine trial provides the initial evidence of our vaccine's ability to prevent COVID-19. Now, we need to do a little bit of what we know and what we don't here because it's really easy to just see the overblown headlines and be like, well, vaccine's on the way. It's not exactly where we're at right now. We are still, like he said, uh, we're talking about initial evidence here. There's a lot more tests that need to be run before Pfizer begins distribution. Uh, this vaccine likely won't be available for months yet, and that's if if the next phase of testing doesn't undermine the early signs. So we're allowed to be excited, but don't get over your roller skates yet because there's a lot that needs to happen before this vaccine is going to be avail widely available, let alone available at all for people in this country and around well, the world. A couple of things I, I heard this week about that is that they are saying that f all the final testing should be concluded by next month and that they'll have the ability to get 100 million doses out before the end of the year. 100 million, though, it's a two-dose vaccine. So that's 50 million people. And then uh, in 2021, they, they can actually ramp up to have a billion doses uh, uh, distributed globally, which is actually you know huge. Two things that are unique about this. Number one, the, the FDA said that any benchmark for an approved vaccine is an effective, effective rate over 50%. So 90% mm. is unbelievable. Yeah. Two... They're only one manufacturer of many that are very close in th themselves. So that we're going to have options. And mm. three, this vaccine is the first of its kind. It actually goes in and alters genetic coding. And it's the first time uh, this approach of a vaccine will have been used in humans. So this is uh, unprecedented on a lot of ways. It's, it's big news. And the entire you know health community is... Very excited about it. Ironically, Pfizer was not part of the Project Warp Speed that the government has been, you know, trying to speed up the vaccine research. That this happened on their own. So that's really cool. Mm. Which is a uh, which is a good thing for people who are maybe a little skeptical about some of the the guardrails that were taken down by the White House and right. the chase to try to get this out a little bit earlier. But the government, U.S. government, will be helping with distribution if if this continues to pass tests and also uh, and also we were been. seeing like almost no they were seeing almost no side effects like no reported significant side effects which is to Derek's thing of I'll let y'all white people take it first uh -huh. <laughs> we'll see how you do like apparently like there's been no real risk to this so this I'm, asking, I'm asking because I don't know is are you saying that uh, this goes in and changes your genetics or the coronavirus genetics? I heard that this approach of a vaccine, it, the way that it goes in is it attacks at the genetic level and it recodes the virus in like in the body or something. Or oh, yeah, I, like, yeah, yeah. Like, it's it's going to turn y'all into zombies. Y'all go ahead and take it over. Y'all go ahead. No go way. Ahead. Go no, ahead. It's never been used on humans. It's like a brand new powers. technology. Mm -hmm. Like... Mm -hmm. it's, you know, I, I, got, like, I got my I have my crossbow me and Daryl so old school vaccines were like the vaccine is basically we're going to give you a little bit of the flu so your body yeah. can build mm -hmm. up the white blood cells uh -huh. that's mm -hmm. not this this isn't that we're not giving you COVID it's like going in there and if COVID came to you, it would, it's altering your genetics. So it, it'll rebut it or it rebut oh, it. Oh no, that, yeah, I'm just going to let y'all know right <laughs> now that, that, that won't be the one that Derek will be uh, well, partaking yeah, I mean, in. It, it is a huge, I mean, it is a huge deal because unlike, you know, virus, uh, under, un, unlike bacteria, which are kind of, you know, when you think of like germs, which are like little bugs, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm, uh, right. You know, viruses are not living things. You know, they replicate, but but they they aren't. It's not like a, a bacteria. It mm. is something that you know. It's almost like when you think of like have you ever walked through the forest and like on your socks, there's little barbs connected to your socks. You know, yeah. viruses are more like that in the way that they connect to your cells. And when your cells replicate, the viruses of rep, uh, replicating, you know, it can cause some major significant, uh, you know, 
damage depending on the, the virus. And that's why they're so hard to treat because it's not like, well, this kills a bacteria. So I take this antibiotic right. and right. that this medicine kills that bacteria because you're not actually trying to go kill anything necessarily. But, you know, for there to be a virus uh, for uh, uh, a potential vaccine, this relatively quickly is a big deal. I mean, they've been looking for uh, an HIV vaccine for over a decade, and it's right. been very elusive. I mean, obviously, there's effective treatments, but there isn't an effective vaccine because viruses are notoriously, uh, uh, you, you know, difficult to inoculate against. So it is a really big deal. Yeah. Oh, it's huge. I just, I'm not taking that one for sure. Hey, well, the good news is congratulations, you know, hey. I mean, the people that are maybe at real high risk see, would be willing to jump on. Yeah. Well, that's what first. they're saying is obviously the initial is going to be super vulnerable. So it's elderly and like a nursing homes, obviously frontline workers, healthcare workers, people like that. That's all the people that will get the first wave of uh, vaccine doses. So. Oh, so it's not even an option. Not, not, not until. Not. So they're speculating that if things keep progressing at this rate, that normal, healthy, younger people probably won't get the dose available to them until summer or late spring next year. Okay. Yeah. yeah. It'll go it'll trickle down from most vulnerable to least vulnerable as far as availability. And they're talking about the government's gonna make it available for free. So everybody, you know, so Derek can get it if he wanted mm-hmm. it. You know, I I wonder how much of normal life will return, even when even when you know vaccinations are, are readily available and readily kind of you know you know tested to the point where a majority of the population feels safe taking it. I do just wonder how many things people are just like, you know what? I kind of like this about the new way of living. And I'm just like, I think a lot of, obviously a lot of people are going to be working from home just for now on for a lot of reasons of many of them just practical and fine, you know, financially kind of prudent. But when it comes to just how people have kind of rewired their social lives, I do kind of wonder what that, what that's going to look like. Cause I've kind of liked every weekend waking up knowing I don't have any plans. Like prior, (laughs) prior to COVID, it was like, it was like on Saturday. It's like, all right, what time is this birthday party? I got a cookout thing here. I got a, you know, there's a soccer thing over here. And it's like, you, you know, you're just waking up with that feeling of like, I'm not going to be back on my couch just hanging out probably till eight or nine tonight. And so, <laughs> you know, but during COVID, it's kind of like, dude, I kind of like this. I kind of like having no obligations on the weekends. That's, that's been kind of nice, you know? Yeah. Mm. Hey, um, look, like I said, bro, altering my genetics, that just ain't in the, uh, that ain't in the cars <laughs> for me. I Look, man, I'm just, my wife has been making elderberry syrup. We've been taking vitamin C. We've been wearing masks. I don't think vitamin C works we, against the I, virus, though. That's, I don't. Hey, look, listen. They, they say vitamin D is one of the the biggest vitamin D. Vitamin D. Yeah. I, I get out in the sun when I can, and we gonna just kick it, and we gonna see what happens until they find a <laughs> virus, uh, uh, till they find a solution that doesn't change my DNA. Listen, hey, I'm they're diffusing, gonna have options I'm diffusing year, so many sure. oils. Yeah. I just I'm I'm diffusing so many oils. Essential oils, thieves. <laughs> yeah. I'm using thieves. Listen, Listen, oh, sorry, Young Life. If y'all are listening, I know it's a rep for Young Life that's listening here. Y'all can send me as much oh, thieves sure. as you want. <laughs> I'll put it, I'll Look. do an Instagram post or whatever. Like, listen, man, I need to get sponsored because I'm tired of spending all this money on them doggone oil. They good, though. You feel me? They good. They good, yeah. though. Yeah. Look, you feel me? I may be damaging some of my organs with the level of diffusing I'm going on. <laughs> but to my knowledge, the liver's very uh, resilient. And who knows? I might be doing you some good, too. You can't tell me that thieves doesn't cure coronavirus. I refuse to believe it. <laughs> Thieves cures everything. They put that on during the Black Plague. I know the whole story. It was during the Black Plague. The robbers would go in and rob different places, and they'd put that thing on, that thieves on. And look, if it can cure the Black Plague, it can cure coronavirus. I believe it. So, <laughs> Young Life, how at your methods. boy? <laughs> Speaking of alternative <laughs> methods of healing, people, we got a story coming from the folks at Bethel Church today okay. that I also oh, want to talk it? about um, a little bit. Uh, so this is uh, so 
Uh, this is a story from up in Redding, California. Uh, a senior associate leader by the name of Chris Vallotton, uh, who has been at Bethel Church for a while, he made headlines for prophesying that President Donald Trump would clinch a second term in our election. Mm-hmm. Now, on Tuesday, Vallotton took to Instagram to apologize for, uh, for uh, dropping the prophecy ball, I guess, uh, seeing as, as Biden had won. He said, quote, In the video, he said, I was wrong. I take full responsibility for being wrong. There's no excuse for it. I think it doesn't make me a false prophet, but it does actually create a credibility gap. And a lot of people trust me, trust my ministry. And I want to say I'm very sorry for everyone who put their trust in me. Now, the reason I'm not playing a clip of that is because he deleted that apology that Instagram after he posted it. It had been up for a while and then he pulled it down. Uh, He put up a new post in which he wrote that he had decided to wait until the official vote count is complete. (laughs) It appears that there is a significant amount of discrepancy in the process. Uh, obviously, he did not produce any evidence for the discrepancy, but uh, but so far, claims of widespread voter fraud uh, that have been made by the president himself and many of his allies have so far amounted to hot air. So, so we're... we're he, so but he, he said that if it's... He said he will issue another apology when and if he is satisfied he didn't that the say vote that. count was Did he say that for yeah, him? Yeah. He said yeah. he'll do yeah. another so, apology? <laughs> Okay, I, 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 I so, oh, go ahead, Jamie. No, I just have a question. So he didn't say like, "Oh, I think President Trump's going to win again," or "I hope President Trump's going to." He said, "God told yeah. me." Yes, this was a prophecy. Okay, okay, this, okay, a this prophecy. is a prophecy from the the Lord Himself. Well, th- that was the well, idea at the J- time. Jamie, yeah. But that does, listen, <laughs> just because he falsely prophesies <laughs> does not make him a false prophet. Clearly, a false prophet is someone who. Hold on, let, let me. I, I know what will solve this. Let me see. But a prophet who presumes to speak anything in my name, I have not commanded. Mm? Let's see. Blah, blah, blah. You know, that, you know that one. Okay. Okay. Hold on. Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> That's, I didn't say it. That might just be the word of the Bible. So maybe we should, unless you're very, very sure, maybe just don't throw, maybe just don't toss some things out there and then say, that doesn't count as false prophecy because even though I prophesied and it ended up being false like let's just let's let's be a little bit more reverent about that that whole concept because it does seem to be something that even though they this guy might not be taking it very seriously clearly uh the bible does and Dude, there's a there's a lot of prophets that prophesied that trump would win that are now trying to figure out the loophole to like yeah. get out of the prophecy do you remember that clip i sent y'all last week uh that funny one where there was some online online pro- prophet said he was like you know i prophesied that trump will win but then this week the lord gave me a dream where biden won oh so my so, 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 oh, so lord, yeah my mom so, told me about that so yeah. God i changed I, his mind yeah, yeah. So he's basically I, saying, like, I know what I prophesied, but but now I know what I've seen. Listen, yeah, you know what listen, I, mean? I like, know what I prophesied, but clearly this one was God being lie- blind. God, <laughs> like, that's the God implication. Sent another, yeah. God sent me an update is basically listen, what he listen, was saying. God, listen, God evidently intentionally deceived me. I don't know what, you know, it's like, come on people, like, give me a break. Yes, you did false prophesy. No, God didn't lie to you to, and then only to correct himself in a dream. That's not how any of this works. Like, it's, it's maybe, what my mama called prophelying. Yeah. Oh yeah. They prophelying. Yeah. Mrs. Maybe you should just write these things down in your prayer journal. Like, just write them down in your prayer journal, and then you don't have to take it to the Instagram and all the things. On IG, yeah, Cameron, I thought you were going to tell us about the video you sent us of Paula White. No. That's the last one. No, 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 that's she different. Was she was praying. She wasn't prophesying. Uh, but well, the, 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 the other thing, and then I'll get That's off the my wrong soapbox. Backup, Paula. They ain't gonna help you. <laughs> I, I'll get off my. I'll get off any kind of soapbox here too. But it's like, oh wait, someone who's vocationally a prophet, like that's their job because they ask people to give them money so that they can do that job. Like, wait, you're 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 now hedging your your prophecies because you've been wrong so many times. Like, it's like okay. There's so much wrong with all of this that I don't it's like it makes me it it, it, it honestly like really really disturbs me that this right. is, is so, so do you think Jesse people can say like I feel like I'm a prophet? 
I think I, I definitely think they can, but I, I think where well, it the gets, Bible talks about, I mean, the, the fivefold ministry, there's prophets, apostles, sure. teachers, you know, course, some people would say yeah. some of those don't exist anymore. Uh, the Baptist those people would, would that be is correct. Uh, yeah. so, I, so this is where we're getting into Holy Spirit theology stuff about, you know, tongues and gifts of the spirit and all that kind of stuff. We're not going to go there because our audience represents all of them, but <laughs> the Bible did talk about different roles and there's definitely streams in the church today that continue to uh, operate in that. In that but, model, but to so. Jamie's point, it's not not unfair to say, you know, that 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 is a gray area theologically. You know, like there are people who who are very respected on both sides uh, of of you know that have come to different conclusions and different understandings about how the Holy Spirit operates now versus how the Holy Spirit operated in the days of the early church. That's fine, but. I think we can all agree what's not black and white is false prophecy. Like that isn't True. something that any th- reasonable theologian thinks is okay if you right. hedge your bets. No it's gray like, area. No, there. it doesn't work like that, man. Right. And, and especially these people. No wonder they're hedging their bets because a lot of them accept donations for their prophecies. Like right. it, it go to any of those prophets uh, uh websites i guarantee you there's a, a donate button somewhere support right, my man. ministry or whatever. when did you get so cynical you didn't used to I be so cynical was, this isn't cynicism this is hey, this is because i'm not cynical of prophecy i think it can be very powerful but i think it I, but it, no i believe but, that we can have prophets right now yes yeah, yeah. so but but i but i also think that you, you know we're, we're we're seeing a level of of spiritual abuse yeah. that is True. That, right. that, True. that it Absolutely. should be because this isn't yeah. cynicism. I believe in the church. I love the church. Like I really do. And, and, but, but I do think that's why it should be so outrageous when you see degrees of spiritual abuse, just, you know, get pardons because the person's like, my bad. You know, it's like, no, you, you, you that's, that's not cool, man. Like not that, at all. Yeah. You know, I hey, agree. Clark, 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 play the clip of what I just sent you. This is really funny. So the comedian Kev on stage who has been on this podcast, oh my gosh. He, <laughs> he, so he shared this, he shared this as he's not on it, but this is hilarious. Uh, the Instagram account church milk originally posted this, but there's a comedian named Jarrell Quinn who, so you're going to hear the original guy and then you're going to hear the comedian Jarrell Quinn's take on this prophet. So there you go. So let's play for a minute. He is what prophet Karn is saying to you today. I prophetically, prophesied that Trump will be reelected. But as a prophet since Sunday, there is an uneasiness I'm feeling in my spirit. This is pre-election, by the way. Something is shifting and changing in the balance. And the church must do what he's commanded us to do. I'm telling you what I heard, and I'm also telling you what I saw. In my dream, Joe Biden was the president. Mm. That was the dream. But I have prophesied that Trump will triumph. Here's what I'm saying to you today. This is the comedian. Listen, this is the comedian. I prophesied that I would be changing my eating habits. But as I continue to drive by all of these restaurants, there's an uneasiness in my spirit. Talking the Wendy's, man, the the cheesecake factories, the in and outs, my God, the checkers, the the rallies, depending upon which region you're in. It's called something. I don't have time to teach that. There's a shifting in my spirit. I'm telling you what I heard and what I saw. I heard the Lord wants me to be a vegan. I saw myself eating a chip for they said. What I heard and what I saw. There you go. That's good. Yeah. That is funny. That's a little that way. Funny. You know, I heard, but then mm-hmm. it was a shifting and I saw something else. I, I just <laughs> love it. covering all the bases. It's this is work if you can get it. This is shifting. 
This is the day well, before the election that he sent that out. So he just covered all his bases, you know. I, I, I love I love how if there are a bunch of clauses that show up like in your mortgage paperwork, like, but if this circumstance has happened, this like it's like I, okay, I don't think we need these prophecy contract clauses. I, it seems pretty cut and dry how this should operate here. I don't know that we're building in escape clauses uh, you know, into the prophecies. That might be a sign we're going down the wrong road here. Or, or yeah, maybe you didn't hear the lord all right uh, yeah. what else you got Tyler? off a line uh, last story this was kind of interesting this is a it's new data analysis from a group called the institute for family studies and uh and they confirmed it's a little bit of good news bad news here for the state of the family in the u.s they confirmed that divorce here in the u.s is continuing its very long decline and has now hit a milestone it's at the lowest rate it's been here in the u.s in 50 years Fewer divorces wow. than there have in the last 50 years. Uh, last year in 2019, just 14.9 out of every thousand marriages ended in divorce in the U.S. What? Uh, Hold on. Seriously? I thought it was 50%. You're saying 14.9 out of 14. a thousand? 14.9 out of a thousand. Uh, That's 1.4%. That can't be accurate. The 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 fifty percent number that some that people will sometimes get often has to do with people uh, with marriages that continue to with multiple divorcees people whose marriages end over and over. Uh, oh. It's the same people, which kind of inflates that fifty percent number that some people really latch on to. But uh, but divorce for but first time divorce is actually extremely rare, uh, and that means longer marriages too. In 2010, the median length of the American marriage was 19 years. 2019, it's jumped almost a full year to 19.8 years, and this trend is expected to continue throughout 2020. Despite huh. the pandemic, uh, there was in March there was an early rush of divorce proceedings back when people were like, "Oh no, I'm going to be stuck with this person for who knows how long." So a lot of divorces <laughs> got out of the gates early on, but that's kind of leveled out. And actually, studies show that most couples say they feel like the pandemic has brought them closer together uh, over the course of being stuck together. They, they feel like their marriages are a little bit stronger. Hmm. Now, hmm. there is one, there's the, the caveat here, it's, it's, it's a significant one, is that uh, the marriage rate itself, the general marriage rate, has also fallen to its lowest point in the past 50 years. That's what Fewer I was going to guess as to why it was. Now. Yeah. Exactly. So the people who eventually finally do decide to get married, which is a smaller number, have probably stronger relationships that last longer. You know what That's I mean? That's exactly That's right. That's interesting. Wow. Their researchers are, are talking what's, uh, about what they're calling the marriage divide. And the marriage divide is actually growing along economic lines. People who are college educated, who have a little more money, far more likely to get married than people who have less money. The marriage is becoming sort of financially just not always an option for a lot of people in lots of parts of the country where Sheesh. they just don't feel like they can afford to get married and so they don't and it's cheaper uh, to so get married have- you only have one rent you don't have to live in two different places well, because if you're financially unstable, your job is unstable and you mm. don't feel you're not maybe not be living in the same place. You don't know how long you're going to be there. You're in mm. and out of apartments. So it, it takes away from the idea of of marriage just being as much of a of an option. According to the study, 64 percent of Americans in the top third of the economic bracket are likely to be in an intact marriage. Uh, that's true of just 24 percent of Americans in the bottom third of the economic bracket. And mm. uh, that is also a trend that doesn't look like it's going to be slowing down anytime soon obviously, as the wealth gap just grows wider and wider in the country. Wow. Interesting. Yeah, I would guess that's when you were saying that, I was like, I bet people are, A, people are getting married later, and B, I think a lot of people maybe not even get married. They would just cohabitat for as long as they wanted to without getting married. So then you can't get divorced. It is just interesting, though, like 50 years. I mean, that's 1970. I mean, back in the 60s, leading up to that point like you know i mean divorce was scandalous you know it was mm-hmm. rare and like you're shameful you know whatever and and then all of a sudden i was like now i guess the, my perception is that people get divorced pretty co- you know commonly 50 percent was is kind of the stated stat so you're saying it has dropped significantly that's crazy but that's a good thing for you know in a lot of ways it is a good thing yeah. like yeah. there's every study says that marriage is overall a benefit to society people who have stable homes to grow up in especially for raising kids it's like a it's a, it's a net positive for the country mm-hmm. uh, so longer marriages definitely good but fewer marriages maybe not quite as good uh, but mm-hmm. also that comes down but also poverty also bad. So this could be there. There's definitely a very valid take on this. This is just one of many things that is wrong with the growing poverty rate in the U.S. 
Hmm. It's crazy because I talk to people that are that are single. Um, me and my wife, we've been married for 12 years. So and I talk to some people that are single and the expectation of what has to happen pre-marriage is just ridiculous. Like in the sense of like people are like, I have to be making X amount of oh. dollars before I get married. Um, I have to have all of these things set up and it's like, there's no way. I, I think that's probably a lot of that's scaring as far as if we're talking about like the poverty aspects of that. Cause like when me and my wife got married, we was broke. Oh, we were so we, broke. We, we were dirt broke. I had a dream. Yep. I had a plan. And that's not to say that it's not good to think about, you know, stability, but I think we have this idea of with marriage in America, at least, or at least around the circles, I know what a lot of single people is that things have to be 150% perfect or it's not worth it. And mm. um, I, I can say, honestly, without a shadow of a doubt, I would not be where I'm at today without my wife. Like mm. she has enhanced every aspect of my life, just health, career. And I think she'd say the same thing. At least I would hope. You know, we we helped each other out um, early on in our in our marriage. So, you know, it's kind of this. It is alarming stat. You know, I guess you know can't get divorced if you don't get married in the first place. Interesting. All right. Well, for a lot more content like that and some random videos of televangelists doing crazy things, check out relevant news at relevantmagazine.com every day. Tyler's posting a lot of stuff. Though. There's a lot happening. All right. Thanks, Tyler. Thanks, everybody. Stay tuned. Up next, Social Club Misfits joins us. You're listening to They. The song is on and on. Well, today's episode is brought to you by podcast creation platform, Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor yet, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. First of all, it's free. There are custom tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will then distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and every major platform. The cool thing is you can also make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Well, Social Club Misfits is a hip-hop group made up of our friends Marty and Fern. They uh, partnered together first in 2011 and uh, released their first album in 2012. They've been doing it for a while. In their latest and most personal album yet, it's called Feared by Hell. Social Club Misfits show how consistency pays off in excellence. We recently sat down with them for the new issue of Relevant. Talk about the album and how they're refusing to fit in. Here's part of our conversation with Marty and Fern from Social Club Misfits. the album what do you feel like sets this album apart from some of your previous work this album you know number one the biggest difference is uh, I, I was able to produce nine songs in this project i started producing in 2017 the album is called feared by hell and the idea behind it is that as a believer we're loved by heaven we're loved by jesus we're loved by god and that identity should make us want to be more of an offensive Christian than a defensive Christian. Like the idea is like, you know, for our lives, I don't want to be the type of Christian, a Christian that the devil's safe around. You know, like I know that sounds very broad and like very youth groupy or even like a church, you know, Stephen Furtick would say that, you know, but I really believe that. I believe that it's, it's our time to be more aggressive in the kingdom of God. And so um, the album is, you know, it definitely talks more. It does, it's not like a goofy album. 
You know, like in the past, we, we nailed down the goofy or the fun or anytime we did something, we're trying to like, you know, make a joke or make people laugh. And I think that this album is more of like, it's, it's art, it's artistic. And I think Fern did a great job. I think I did a great job. And I think that this album is very cohesive as well. Um, and I think people are going to see that for sure. They're going to they're gonna be like, well, okay, this sounds a little bit different. Yeah, it's just not a very goofy year. Uh, I mean, the, you've got to be aware of the tone we have here in 2020. Yeah, absolutely. And you know what? One thing me and Fern always talk about is like how, how tone deaf would we be if we released another song, the first single being something about how great we are. You know, like it's really easy to make a song like every time or like we have in the past where it talks about, you know, this year is our year. We're pumped. You know, God's blessed us. But like that song is tone deaf in culture right now. Like for us to make a song about, like I even think it's tone deaf for rappers to flash money right now. I feel like, you know, people are struggling. Everyone's on unemployment. Like what are you doing? So I think for us, it's like we wanted to make an album that was mature enough to play you know, I think end goal for us is like, we love doing the House of Blues tours. We love that way more than doing, you know, the as much as we love Sadie Robertson, she gave us a great opportunity. That was a great opportunity, but we had to grow out of the, the performing in the youth group. You know, we had to elevate the music to be something that could stand side by side with mainstream. And people would be like, oh, it, the, the content might be different, but the sound of excellence hasn't changed, you know? It's an act of God, I used to act a fool, but now I act in movies, actually I'm just making moves, we still making music, tell you about my past. What are some of the ways that you all have seen Christians living on the defensive, like you're saying, and, and how do you think we can change that? I mean, number one, one thing I used to say uh, for myself, and I think that learning, I'm, I'm learning how like this is not a good statement to say, but because it doesn't happen to me, doesn't mean it doesn't happen to somebody else. We have to share in the hurt of other people who aren't dealing with what we're dealing with. So if someone else is hurting in a different part of the world, I believe as a believer, we have to be like, you know what, like, let me understand what they're going through like let me give people grace and and, and kind of like change the attitude of oh okay well it's not here i don't have to worry about it so i think that being an aggressive christian means like getting ahead of the conversation i think the whole idea of how believers act are like until it's a problem we don't react and i think that that is in, in itself a problem like we we wait for the homeless problem to be terrible and then we're like let's do something you know like and i think that being in a offensive lineman Christian means you see an issue and you say, you know what, all right, let's not wait for it to get bad. Let's really talk about it and see how we could serve. And so that's why I think me and Fern are really believers of local church. Like that's what the church is supposed to be. It's not what social club's supposed to be. It's what the church is supposed to be. But I think that the identity of this album is very much like it's time to step up, you know, and, and start to share in the pain of our brothers and sisters and and connect with people on that level. You know, a lot of times you'll hear people say, let me just pray for you. And I'm always like, you're not going to pray for me. Just be honest. With me. You're not going to, you're lying right now. You know, like we say that as a term of we're thinking about you, but we're not really praying for other people. And so I just think the whole idea of Christians, Christianity has become very, it feels like it's becoming a little bit lazy in my personal opinion. It's time, and I feel like God's shaking up the world right now. I think it's our time to step up as the kingdom of God and be like, this is our time. The world is in turmoil. Now people need hope more than ever. Obviously, this stuff has been a struggle for the church. Um, does that make you guys feel kind of lonely or isolated from the Christian community? No, because I feel like it's, it's my job to, to do that. I feel like it's our job to speak on, right? So like I'm plugged in real heavily with my church and and Delray, and those are the conversations I have with my pastor. Like, what are we doing for our community? Like, what are we doing right now? Are we serving anybody? Like, are we going to be the church that just people come to us and we don't go to them? Like, how are we connecting? And so I've been a part of so many churches that, like, besides VU and the church I'm currently at, every other church I've been a part of, none of them really focus on missions or helping people in the area that we live in outside of our family, you know? And I think that we're called to be the hands and feet, right? Like, we're called to be the body. And so, like, this is a challenge, I guess, for me 
And something that we've discussed at our at the church I go to right now, and even with other pastors I've been, like today I talked to two pastors and I was like, hey, what are you guys doing? Like, I'm just, now I'm just asking, like, what are, we, what are you guys doing? How, how can I be involved? How can I help? How can I, but I just feel like it's not being done. Or maybe during quarantine, everyone, obviously everyone's afraid to get out and touch people, but like, how can we, and now, like, like how can we right now help moms who, don't have money, right? As a church, like we're not we're not paying for a building right now. A lot of these churches aren't paying for buildings. Like, what are you gonna do with all that ex- extra money? It's like, how can we do it better? How can we do this? How can we be Christians that step up to the occasion? Things have been really different during the coronavirus pandemic. Once we're past the virus, do you think the church is going to look different or is this just a temporary season that we're in? Quarantine is if you haven't adjusted to the culture of online presence, like really, if we want to get technical about the only church that's really like was ready for this was Judah Smith's church, right? Like they had the app, they had everything for community. Like any church that focused on community rather than the building is doing great right now. So like Vu, the community groups have been booming because they're focusing on the people rather than the building of bringing people in. And so I think that that it's, it's a, there's like a paradigm shift in the life of pastors. I just hope that we, we use this opportunity and we step up to the occasion. I think that that's, I mean, like for me, like I've been able to, to, to invest in a lot of charities in this season, like that I probably, you know, I should have been doing my whole life. And I just now quarantine made me realize, am I giving back to the community? Am I giving back to people who need it? Am I using my voice for anything good? Or when the music ends, it's just people know me to be a rapper. You know, I don't, for me, I feel like we're invested in people's lives and people buy our music. You know, I want them to leave with a good message, not only about Jesus, but hey, pay it forward to somebody. Like, I don't know, I want our fans to like really get that. Like, I want people to go to our shows and they see a homeless guy in front of it like our fans are the ones that serve him somehow, buy him food. Like, I don't know. I just, I don't know. I feel like really challenging this season. Like, there's just so much happening. On the new album, were there any songs that were particularly uh, rewarding for you to work on? Things that you're really excited for people to hear? I'm, I'm going to be honest. I like uh, Conmigo and why I keep always saying in every interview is because I feel like for some reason that's one of the, that's one of the songs that transcends with, with uh, you know, us being from the United States, being in the United States, but being Caribbean from Puerto Rico and and uh, Marty being Italian, us just being cultural, like those type of songs to be able to transcend culture mean a lot to us. I feel like we make, in the Christian realm, in the Christian genre, uh, you want to say Christian hip hop or just Christian music, I feel like we've been able to take the Latin songs and bring them over and, and put them on a plate where a lot of people can palate them. You know what I mean? Um, without compromising, you know what I'm saying? Um, we got some of our friends give us a hard time. Like, yo, I don't know how you put Danny Gokey on a Spanish song, but hey, I'm gonna tell you what, it worked. It worked. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, you know, I look forward to those to those big records. I feel like it's gonna be global. Hopefully, timestamp this, and hopefully, we'll be back and talk about how it did. Comigo is a really big song. I think it's a very it's a very international. Like that's a song like we could you could play next to like an artist like Gashi or an artist like a DJ Snake, and you could be like, oh, this is you haven't missed a beat and a lot of these songs i mean we were talking about this earlier in the past a lot of times we relied on other people to help us write choruses or help us you know sing this big anthem or like let's find this anthem and think this album we were more like how can we just make good music that would connect to our fans in a deep way rather than the wide way you know like so many artists they try to go wide like how can i have the biggest hit ever made and i think for us it's like we have really we have a great fan base how can we continually give them great music that just you know resonates with them more than just trying to have that commercial hit you know
That was Social Club Misfits. Make sure to check out their new album, Feared by Hell, wherever you listen to music and read the rest of that conversation and the great feature we have with them in the brand new issue of Relevant. It's available for free right now at relevantmagazine.com. Go check it out. experienced a sudden loss of a friend or family member? How about a loss at the apex of your career? A decision that is catching up with you years later that you regret. Perhaps you're seeking new perspectives on age-old truths. If so, the book Resolve is for you. Written by business entrepreneur and industrial designer Mitch Baker, Resolve invites you to peer through the lens of his life to see the hope he found in Christ during his darkest hours and moments of doubt and despair. It may have seemed as if he was wrestling with grief or truth, but ultimately, he was searching for purpose. Woven within his stories are imaginative, modern-day parables and scriptorial references that bring the readers into a deeper understanding of what it means to infuse truth and hope into our everyday lives. Pick up a copy of Resolve online at Amazon or Barnes & Noble today and head to www.mitchbaker.com for more details on the author and be encouraged to step back, take stock, and keep going on your own journey of purpose. Again, that's www.mitchbaker.com. listening to Jimmy Stack. The song is Be Long 2. I wonder if it's a sequel to Be Long. Well, it's the latest installment of our weekly fall wellness series that we kicked off last week, brought to you by UHSM. This week, we talked to Angela Manuel Davis. She's the founder of ARMY, a boot camp to train your mind and body. She's also a motivational coach, a Nike athlete and speaker, and fitness influencer. Angela sat down with uh, our very own Tyler Huckabee this week to talk about the connections between exercise and spiritual health. Like we mentioned last week, this fall wellness series is brought to you by UHSM, member to member health sharing. You can see why millions are choosing this Christian alternative to traditional insurance by checking out uhsm.com slash care or calling 833-367-8476. Awesome program. You can save 50%. Okay. Here's our conversation with Angela Manuel Davis. All right, Angela, tell me a little bit about yourself and what you do. I am Angela Davis. I am one of the co-founders of ARMY. It is a fitness brand where we fight for and with each other for our best lives. It is, uh, I like to describe it as this communal connective fitness. It is an opportunity for me as a coach to marry sport and spirituality, to take advantage of uh, physicality in the sense of putting my athletes, we call every uh, participant an athlete. If you have a body, you're an athlete. So being able to put all of my athletes through these challenging exercises or movements where they uh, can be broken open spiritually, emotionally. And that is my opportunity to pour into them, you know, love and goodness and really take advantage of this opportunity for a rewiring to happen. You know, I, I like to think that you come into the experience one way and you get to live that, leave that experience a better version of yourself uh, where we just get to reinforce, you know, that you were created in purpose, on purpose, for a purpose, you know, that we get to reinforce that you are equipped for moments such as these, you know, these are unprecedented times in human history that will shift us, you know, that will change us from the inside out and, and yet and still prepare us for what's in front of us something that I've heard a lot, I think even we can say we've heard it a lot here at Relevant, is that people are having a hard time staying motivated with fitness stuff during the pandemic. How do you prioritize and stay motivated with your own exercise? Well, for me, it's a lifeline. 
you know, like I am a mother, I have two kids and I know that I want to be around for my kids. And I know part of me being around is me being healthy, but me, like so many other uh, families all over the world, we are really juggling, you know, this new load of, you know, working from home and, you know, being, you know, our teachers, our kids, teachers at home and everything that went on with the pandemic. And it was overwhelming and it was challenging. And so the only way that I knew how to get through it was to find a way to stay strong in my mental, spiritual and emotional state and physicality and, and, you know, what I do allows that and staying in community really, you know, that's one of the things about connective fitness that I think is so beautiful is that you can train with other people and, and yet, and still we aren't in the same space physically, we could still, you know, be on a zoom or we can be on an IG live. And if I can just find a group of people to train with every day, that'll hold me accountable to continuing to show up, you know, that breathes life into you in a different way. And so I, I have found that that has been kind of that link that has been needed to to keep me pushing in this time. Have you seen fitness impact your spiritual life? Uh, it, it has really deepened my faith, kind of being the pioneer in this style of coaching that, um, that I have where I do marry the two, where I do marry sport and spirituality. I don't recall ever seeing anyone do that or experiencing anyone do that to the degree in which I do it. And that is a scary thing to step out and do something that hadn't been done before in the way that I was doing it. And so it just deepened my faith that, you know, when I was getting these unctions and these, you know, no, you need to say that, you should be saying that, speak to that. And it's, it seemed so unprecedented, you know, to, to talk about this, the things that I began to talk about in these, in these settings. And so I had to trust it and I had to, and I had to believe I was being directed and, and guided in a, in a bigger way. And regardless of the outcome, I just needed to be obedient to the call. That was Angela Manuel Davis. For more content like this, check out the Wellness Series articles that we have every Tuesday and Thursday at relevantmagazine.com. Again, the series is sponsored by UHSM. We thank them for their support. Go check them out at uhsm.com slash care. Well, thank you also to Social Club Misfits for joining us this week. You can follow them on Instagram at Social Club Misfits and make sure to get their new album, Feared by Hell. It's great. And check out the feature we have with them in the new issue of Relevant, which is available now for free. Thanks to UHSM, actually. Uh, you can go check it out, read it, read it at relevantmagazine.com. Not only do we have the feature with uh, Social Club Misfits, but we've got Letitia Wright, Matthew McConaughey's on the cover. It's a stacked issue. It's amazing content. Go check it out right now at relevantmagazine.com. On that note, we'll wrap it up. I'm Cameron Strang. I'm Jesse Carey. I'm Jamie Ivey. I'm Derek Miner. We will see you on Tuesday. Have a great weekend, everyone. Thanks for listening to The Relevant Podcast. Check out our features, interviews, and news updates every day at relevantmagazine.com. And make sure to follow Relevant on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for the latest. For more great podcasts, browse the shows on the Relevant Podcast Network, which you can find at our site. And while you're there, don't miss the all-new era of Relevant Magazine. A new issue releases every other month at RelevantMagazine.com. Oh, here comes the drop. Whoa. Relevant Podcast Network.